Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've come to the end, the end of the church year, and as a result, the end of the last three weeks of parables we hear as part of that time. For three weeks, we hear parable after parable, each one answering the question of what is it going to be like in the in-between time. The in-between times being that period of time between the ascension of Christ into heaven and his return to earth in glory when he will judge the living and the dead. And we began that understanding of the in-between time with the parable of the ten virgins, the women, waiting with lamps filled with oil for the bridegroom to come so they could celebrate and welcome him into the wedding feast. And we learn from that parable that we are to be filled with grace and mercy and God's forgiveness so that when he returns, we are found ready, ready to welcome him in his glory. And then last week, we heard the parable of the ten talents, the story of a master who goes away on a journey and in his absence entrusts his servants with the talents that are, to, that are his that they are to be stewards over what he has given to them and so that when he returns, he can have found them faithful. And from this parable, we answer the question of what are we to do in the in-between times? If we are ready like the women waiting for the bridegroom to come, what are we to do while we wait? We are to take the gospel the good news of Jesus and his salvation, and share it with the world, invest it with our neighbors so that they also would know the nature of our master, that he is not a hard and unjust ruler, but he is one who blesses his servants beyond imagination. And so we've been warned to be ready. We've been told what we are to do while we are ready and waiting and now we get the completion of the answer by knowing what happens when Christ returns in glory. So what will it be like when Christ returns? What will it be like to see our judge face to face? And what we learn from this parable is that when we see our judge face to face, those who are ready and faithful will be brought into eternal life, and those who are not will be sent away to eternal punishment. Given that this is the last word we hear in the year, it might seem ominous to end in this way. After all, what are we to make of the goats? Or more to the point, what are we to make of Jesus sitting in judgment? Because in this text, the Jesus we encounter isn't the one that the world would want us to have. The patient, kind, gentle Jesus who cannot bear the thought of an injured lamb or hurting anything in creation for that matter is not the Jesus we see sitting in judgment. We would much prefer to have that gentle Jesus, certainly the one the world would like us to have, the one who evokes no fear, the one who's so docile and domesticated there's no concern about what he might do next. To be the Jesus pictured in Ezekiel, the generous shepherd that fulfills the promise of Psalm 23 and grants to his sheep rolling green pastures 
upon which to lay and graze along brooks of still waters. That's the Jesus we want, and so he's the one we paint in pictures. He's the one we put into our children's Bibles. That's the picture of the one we hang in our homes. The reality of who Jesus is is much more complex than this. Yes, those pictures that we have of the gentle shepherd Jesus are accurate, Because Jesus is the good shepherd depicted in the Psalms. He's the shepherd promised by Ezekiel who searches out his sheep and rescues them from all of the places where they have been scattered. Jesus is the greater David who will be the shepherd of all his people. He's the Jesus we learn about in John 3.16 when we hear the proclamation that God so loves the world, he sent his only sons that those who believe in him will have eternal life. The Jesus who comes again in glory, the one we heard about in the last day, is that same Jesus. He is the good shepherd, binding the hurt, feeding the hungry, caring for the sick, and binding up the wounded. He is the Jesus of John 3.16, who does want the entire world to be saved and offers his life, given in death, to be the payment that allows that happen. But he's also the shepherd who has promised to protect his flock against the attacks of the evil one. He's the shepherd who's promised to defend you against wolves in sheep's clothing. He's the shepherd who's promised to guard you against the infiltration of those who do not belong and would seek to destroy you by leading you astray. The good shepherd, as gentle as he is to you, is also strong and courageous against those who do not belong in his pasture and among his people. This Jesus, the one feared and despised by Satan, the one who cannot be tolerated by the sin-filled world, is the one who judges all people, whether they believe in him or not. This Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one that the sinful world would have us forget because this Jesus is the king of creation and he makes those who have rejected in him tremble in fear over what is to come. They're like the third servant in the parable of the talents that buries the talent out of fear of what will happen when the master returns. He's afraid because he fears that the master is hard and angry. And he'd rather not worry about the master at all, and so rejects his position as steward over what the master has given. But what happens in Christ's return is simply an affirmation of what was already done. For those who have already rejected him, for those who have turned their backs on God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are the ones sent to the place prepared for the devil and his angels. They are sent there because within their lives no faith is to be found. No Savior is to be found in their hope. And since they rejected what God has offered in the gift of his Son, Jesus gives them exactly what they have desired, to be separated from him for all eternity. And yet even this, these hard words can give comfort to you, God's people. Because you are ready for the return of Christ. Because you are the sheep of his flock. 
And this can give you comfort because notice what God's desire is for salvation. It's so complete and so universal that Matthew tells us Jesus says that hell was not created for unbelievers. During the seven days of creation, did not, God did not make hell and call it very good because he desired to punish a portion of the people who would live on earth. No, Jesus reveals here that hell is created after Satan leads the angels in rebellion against him, and it's a place created to punish the fallen angels. And then he gives humanity the option of going there if they find what God desires for his people to be unsatisfactory and things that they do not want for themselves. In this way, God is like parents who give all good things to their children. Because parents can give all the best things in the world to their kids, provide for them all that they want and need, set them up for a very good life. But if that child chooses to reject what the parents have given, to ignore the advice, to chase after the desires of their own heart, no matter how destructive they may be, at some point parents are forced to recognize they cannot make children do anything, especially once they are adults. When this happens, good, faithful parents still do not desire the destruction of their children, nor do they want harm to come their way, but they do recognize that due to the decisions that are made, there's nothing they can do to stop the one they love from destroying their life. And that is the reality that is on display in the parable we hear today. God has provided all that is good and holy for his children to live for eternity. But he will not force them to live within the promises he has made and the good he has provided. He gives his children, he gives us the ability to join Satan and his angels in eternal punishment if we desire that over what God has desired for us. But to the righteous, to the faithful sheep of his pasture, Jesus gives eternal life, and he welcomes you into the new creation where you will live in your resurrected, living, breathing body for all eternity. You will live with Christ as your good shepherd because he will continue to give you all you need to dwell in his house forever. He is prepared to be the good shepherd we picture where all you experience is his grace and love wherever you look and in whatever you do. What are the questions the sheep ask when Jesus tells them they're going to enter his kingdom? What about the confusion of being told that they had fed him when he was hungry, clothed him when he was naked, gave him something to drink when they were thirsty, visited him, and so on and so forth? The sheep claim that they do not remember doing these things. And yet Jesus says that's exactly what you have done. It's tempting to fall into despair and wonder, have I done enough of those things? Have I been good enough to be counted as a sheep? Should you pick another angel off the tree on your way out of church just to make sure you covered all your bases from last week? No, you shouldn't do it for that reason. If your goal is to count the good you've done because if you do this, it's your reason to help your neighbor, then you turn your neighbor into an object that you use for your own benefit instead of simply letting them be the recipient of your love and mercy. But yes, you should do those things 
If you desire to see your neighbor in need and, and recognize that you are equipped to help them in their time of need. Remember, this is what the last two parables have been preparing for you. Be ready. And while you wait, invest what God has given to you. Be ready for his return by being filled with the oil of his grace and mercy. Allow the light of Christ to shine brightly in your life because you are continually being filled by having your sins forgiven, your faith strengthened, and your body and soul filled with his body and blood, living in hope that Jesus will keep his promise because you know exactly who Jesus is. And then once you are ready, stay ready. Stay ready by investing that grace, forgiveness, and mercy that Jesus has given to you into the lives of others. Take what wasn't yours in the first place and give it away. Forgive those who hurt you. Have mercy on those who need you. Act with grace toward all around you. When you do those things, you live as sheep preparing to enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. The amazing thing is this, most of the time you won't even realize you have done these things because it is Christ doing them through you so that he can be known to the world in which you live. So as you hear this parable of the sheep and the goats, the culmination of the end times, the preparation for what comes at the end of the year, do not face it with fear and trepidation. Encounter it with comfort and confidence. Because this parable does not introduce a Jesus you've not met. It returns you to the shepherd who has called you by name. The shepherd who has anointed you with oil. The good shepherd that promises that you, his child, will live in his house forever. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.